Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. Hey everybody, this is Maddie Kay with the Working Experience Podcast. Today I had the pleasure of interviewing Scott Setterquist. He is an actor in the Massachusetts area and he's got some really helpful tips on pursuing a career in acting and also a very interesting backstory. So have a listen. Thank you and enjoy. The Working Experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, Yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. Stay late, Bob. Teamwork makes the dream work. (laughs) They're moving in a different direction. And after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my hot This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. flipping his Sexual toenails at the desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Working Experience Podcast. It's Maddie Kay, and I am here today with uh, an actor I have known for a couple of years now, Scott Sutterquist. Uh, so just, um, a little background. I did a a short film called HR two summers ago and Scott came in and played one of the office workers. So, um, Scott does acting. He, uh, has his day job. He does some real estate. And today we're going to talk about his, uh, journey in acting Pros and cons, highs and lows, funny stories, that kind of stuff. So, Scott, um, could you tell us how you got into acting? What drew you to it? I'd always, I'd always been interested in it, but you know, I think you know, hanging out and you know, screwing off was you know more important to me. And then I kind of just had an epiphany, if you will, and you know, decided you know this is what you love you know, you better get on the ball and start pursuing this or, or it's going to, you know, pass you by. So that's, you know, so that's what I, you know, that's how I initially, you know, got back into it. Um, I did a, um, a really cool movie. I'm going to plug. It was called Angelo's Revenge. It was a vignette that married uh, another 
full feature movie with C. Thomas Howell uh, that was called Lazarus Rising. And uh, I played a prodigy to a uh, godfather type guy who was played by Bobby Kenny. A lot of people out there may know who he is. And um, it was it was very cool, very cool. Not to spoil the ending for anybody, but, uh, you know, pretty, pretty decent budget. A lot of, a lot of, you know, cool effects and stunts and stuff like that. So that was a good, um, I think that was a really good jump back into the industry. And from there, you know, I've just been kind of honing my skills, learning what is required to um, keep your head above water, if you will, in this industry. Um, and just learning from people along the way, you know, you always want to, you know, in this industry, you have to humble yourself. You always have to know, you know, you don't know everything. You always have to learn from people that have been in the industry for a long time because, you know, this is a dog eat dog world. And, you know, if you don't know enough to be dangerous, you know, you'll, you know, get chewed up and spit out. So just, you know, just progressing and kind of pushing forward is, is really, um, you know, is really what, what you need to kind of do. And I can elaborate on that if you'd like, but um, that's kind of where I am now. So what, what year was Angela's Revenge? That was 2000 and... I think it was like 2015. It's been a been a while. Yeah. Okay. So, how did you um, how did you land that role? Like, can you speak to headshots, reels, casting agencies? Yep. So, um, there, there was no casting agency that was used in it, which, um, and at the time, I didn't really know enough to um, question it. But, you know, the movie did have a pretty significant budget, you know, and like I said, it was a little, it was a little 15, 20 minute vignette that married um, a larger film that had, you know, like I said, I'm going to drop some names. It had Eric Roberts in it. It had C. Thomas Howell in it. So, you know, it was a pretty big deal. Um, and I had gone to an audition. They were looking for um, guys that had fighting experience. and you know, it was me and, and, you know, maybe about five or six other guys that showed up and kind of, we were put through the ringer, you know, you know, how do you fall? How do you take a punch? You know, show me what this looks like. And, um, when everybody was done and as I was kind of walking out, the director of the movie called me into his office and he said, you know what, you know, you have the exact look that I'm looking for. Um, I want you to play, you know, the, the, the main role to the, guy that's playing the godfather um so i just kind of got it sight unseen i didn't even have to audition for it so you went into audition for a different part yes and then yes. you ended up getting the 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 role that you got which was more significant yes yes okay yeah yes. so how did you initially find out about the first audition um i think i found out of it um through New England film, maybe? Yeah, it definitely was New England film because back at that time, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I didn't know about Actors Access. I didn't know about um, Backstage or any of those other large websites. And again, I was, I was non-union, you know, I was completely green. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and uh, I had just sent over some pictures not sure if I had even had professional headshots done yet at that time. I can't remember what I had sent, but, um, but yeah, just based off my pictures alone, I was invited in, you know, for the fight scene. And um, after the director had saw me, you know, offered me the, you know, the, the more significant role, which I'm forever grateful for. So your like initial approach when you like came back in 2015 and said, I'm going to get serious about this, you would go online, look for roles, things that fit your description and you would send out headshots to those places, those auditions or whatever. Yes. Yes. Um, with, you know, everything is done now digitally, you know, most casting calls and call-ins 
actually prefer that you do not bring a paper headshot in or a, or a photograph. They want everything, you know, digitally just because it's cleaner that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, um, but back then, yeah, you know, it, it's all a numbers game, you know, just blast out your resume and, you know, digital headshot to as many projects as you can find that match your demographic and see who, you know, see who comes back, you know, see who, you know, wants to bring you in. Um, it's again, you know, it's a numbers game, you know, if, you know, you're sending your information in and then there may be, you know, a hundred of the guys that look just like you that are sending their information in as well. Right. So you, you really have to, it's all about a numbers game. If I send my resume and, and headshot out to 50 projects now, if I send it out to 50 projects on backstage or actors access, if I get one or two people that come back at me and say, Hey, will you audition? You know, I'm ecstatic. Really? Two out yes. of 50. Yeah. 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 It, 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 I, well, I guess it's like hunting for a job or anything else. You got to put out what, I mean, I remember, when I was looking for a job, the accepted wisdom was like, send out a hundred resumes and maybe five get back to you. And maybe two of them are serious. I mean, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Um, well, it's funny cause you know, in the digital age, since you mentioned it, it's like, it seems like there's so many more projects out there because people can basically shoot a movie on their iPhone these days, but which is great, but it does kind of create a glut of projects that, you know, are not of the best quality or they, they kind of, they're a little bit slipshod, you know, as they come together. So I, it's nice. It opens up more opportunities, but it, it does kind of seem like you have to be careful about choosing your spots. I guess. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, super funny that you said that. I actually have a very humorous kind of story of exactly what you just mentioned. Um, if you have, you know, if you have time. Or Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So I found a project off of, um, I think it might have been, again, might have been New England film. It might have been Boston casting calls. Not, not completely sure. But a lot of these, uh, a lot of these platforms, um, anybody and everybody can, can upload their movie and description of their movie and, and request people to audition. There's no there's no budgetary requirements that say, Oh, your movie has to be, you know, $50,000 or larger, you know, what you can't use our platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, anybody can type anything and make their film sound like it is the next, you know, Mark Wahlberg movie, which clearly most of them aren't. Right. Um, so I, you know, I, um, I'm not going to mention, you know, the name of the project, but uh, it was in, Connecticut and the description looked perfect. Everything added up. The plot of the movie was was genius. And I show up and it was the kid's parents' house. And mm-hmm. the whole entire house smelled like urine. It was a it was a <laughs> it was a complete hoarder house. Um, there was two little dogs that would not stop stop trying to hump my leg um this kid was running around with like an iphone three or four filming it he had a tripod attached to the iphone one of the legs was broken on the tripod it was literally if there could have been a negative budget this was this was was the movie (laughs) so oh go ahead i'm sorry (laughs) no it was it was just you know he paid me in quarters and I, I can't, I can't make this stuff up. He literally paid me in rolls of rolled up quarters. And, um, and I was already there. It was an hour and a half drive. So I was just like, Oh, this was such a, this was the biggest bait and switch I had ever seen. And um, I just followed through with it. You know, I, there was, you know, some of the other actors were there and I, I just did it. And, um, and the, the kid actually still reaches out to me today through Facebook Messenger and asks me if I want to participate in up new and upcoming projects. And I just completely ignore him altogether. Um, <laughs> but, but that 
that you know i'm kind of happy that that happened just because now when i am unsure of the size of the project i always ask i will just come straight out and ask um sometimes you have to be a little bit more delicate than others sometimes you can't say hey what is your project budget because you know sometimes i can offend people i i usually get around that question by asking how many crew members are on your project because you oh. can t- you can typically find out what a project budget is by the amount of crew that are on it. Yes. Um, and if they say, you know, if they tell me they have 10 crew members, well, you know, that's good enough for me. That's a pretty, pretty significant sized independent, you know, project. Um, but if they say, oh, it's just, you know, me and we don't even have a boom operator, then you, you may want to walk away from that opportunity. Well, I guess in his favor, at least he did pay you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was able to get gas and go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, was this billed as a short film or a feature film? It was a feature film. A feature film? Yes. And you only had one day of acting in it? Yes. I had about a paragraph worth of dialogue. He wanted me to come back, but I just did not come back. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a horrible experience. I, uh, he actually put the footage on IMDb, which I'm a little angry about. Um, I've tried to call IMDb and, and have them remove it, but I guess they have a policy of when somebody else adds it, where a producer or a director adds a movie to your page, you cannot delete it as long yeah. as it, as long as it is a legitimate project. Um, <laughs> and it, it, yeah, and uh, it just makes it it just makes me look bad, you know. I always I keep forgetting, you know. I I want it off so bad, but I don't want to, I don't want to communicate with this guy. Yeah, you know, I just want to call him and be like, dude, we please take it off. You know, how old is he's probably eh, he's probably in his early thirties, if I had to guess. Were his parents there? No, they weren't. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I uh, well. Like I say, at least, you know, you got paid. I mean, a lot of people have been, you know, stiffed on jobs. I mean, when I worked as a grip, there was one job. It just imploded after about three days. We never got paid. I was like, you know, it was early days. You have to take your shots. Have you ever done unpaid work as an actor? I have many times. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of an eye opener to some people that you have to do that. In the beginning... In the beginning, I think it is mandatory, you know, people coming out, not having, you know, you mentioned it in in the beginning of, you know, the call, Um, you know, when you have absolutely no experience whatsoever, you've never done anything before, um, you have to do a lot of free work. And even, you know, even some of the, the much larger stuff, you know, the pay isn't, you know, great. Um, you know, this industry is all about building trust and you don't get the large roles until you can prove, you know, to, you know, the, the big people that, that you're able to handle the projects. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of the reasons why, you know, a lot of these, you know, uh, more established actors and you don't even have to be an A-list actor, but more established actors keep continue to get recurring speaking roles in, uh, syndicated, you know, network television or movies because they've already kind of broken that barrier. And and that's one of the hardest things that I've found so far is getting that speaking role in network television or, or film. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big threshold to cross, but to go back to what you were saying, it's a lot of people I think tend to forget that it's a job. And I think you know, talent's important, but there's a lot of talented people out there. I mean, reliability, like, is this person going to be at this location at the time we need them to be there? It's amazing how many people flake out on things like that. And it's just like, okay, well, I, you know, so if you're reliable, you show up on time, you know what you're supposed to do, that, that's huge. That's a big mm-hmm. thing. I agree, you know. definitely. Because, I mean, just in my experience, you know, I, I've worked with some people who are like, they're okay for a little while, and then they kind of drift off. They don't really 
stick with it or they don't, you know, like they don't show up when they're supposed to and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I don't care how talented you are. If you're not here, then it really doesn't matter. I mean, I've seen this with grips, electrics. I've seen it with, uh, you know, when I worked on a television show in New York, the lead actor got yelled at by the AD in front of everyone because he was late from lunch. And the guy got so pissed off. And this guy was well-established, but he was like, you know, you're really screwing us here and this is my job. And, you know, he was not shy about letting the guy know he was holding everything up. And I was like, good to know. It's always the ADs that have the loudest voices. (laughs) Yeah, being an AD, that's an interesting position. I mean, I couldn't do it. They make a ton of money, but man, as soon as that production's not doing well, that's the first job to go, from what I understand. That's the first person to get fired, is the AD. So, um, yeah, I've never really worked on the whole production side of it. I did a little bit of PA work, but um, yeah, that's a tough gig. I mean, they, that's where the money's made on the production end, but uh, it's not, it's, to me, it's not a lot of fun. It's sort of, or creatively satisfying, I guess I would put it that way. Um, so, I guess, you know, you talked about um, that where the point where you want to be is a, is a phrase that you used in the beginning. So you're in SAG. Like, what are the benefits to being in SAG as opposed to being non-union? Um, good question. So the benefits to being in SAG, you know, first off is the money. You know, the money is a little bit better. Um, versus being a non-union where you make about uh, make ten or eleven dollars an hour being a uh, non-union, and then you're, if you're SAG, you make I think it's twenty-three to twenty-five an hour, um, and then there are you know other little benefits and and kind of stipends that that you get you know whether um, so so the union is is you know supposed to be there to you know support and protect the actor just as you know if you were in the electrical union or the or the construction union so um you know if you you know if you get wet you know if you are around smoke if you work at night you know all of those things constitute a higher wage if they have to use your car or you know there's there's hundreds of them um so that would be one uh the biggest one you know, for me, you know, the money isn't important to me. I could, I, I would do it for free if the opportunities came. But, you know, a lot of these speaking roles in these Hollywood movies that are filmed in Boston, um, you're not allowed to audition for a speaking role unless you're in SAG. You know, when you see these um, casting calls that, you know, some of these larger um, casting agencies uh, around the Boston area put out, um, you know, must be SAG, you know, it'll say it right in the, you know, it'll say it right in the email. Um, and those are based on criteria that's put into place, you know, by the contracts of the movie and the union, you know, sometimes, um, it may be possible to get around that on the on the fly kind of situation where if you're already on set you're non-union uh they need somebody at the last minute you know um and they just kind of pull you out of the crowd and say hey you i need you to say this um you know that that could happen and i've seen it happen a handful of times to people it almost happened to me once on the um, set of detroit um they you know literally ran the wire up my leg they put the microphone on me um you know and they gave me a couple sentences to say but at the last minute, they decided to pull it, you know, because they didn't want to go through the paperwork that was required um, mm-hmm. to pay me for the, the SAG wages and to give me the, you know, the, the SAG waiver. And I was devast- I was devastated. It was literally the talk of it, w- it was the talk of the production for the rest of the week between all the background actors. Did you hear what happened to Scott? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. it was that I was I was I was crushed. Um, but uh, but but that's it can you know it can happen just as just as fast as that. But you know again you know in answer to your question, being in the union um, does 
give you a higher propensity to get those speaking roles. You, you get more opportunities, you know, to audition. Um, but then, you know, it, it can hurt you as well. You know, there are a lot of non-union productions in Massachusetts as well, because we are in Massachusetts, you know, and there's a lot of independent film here, a lot of student films, a lot of, you know, micro budget and low budget films uh, where people can't get SAG agreements or they don't want to get SAG agreements because there's too much red tape to go through. Um, and being in SAG can hurt you there as well. You know, most of the commercials in the Boston area are also non-union. So that kind of takes you out of that bucket as well. So you have to take the good with the bad, I guess. You know, how important is it to you? Um, and you have to know what your goals are. And, so I uh, guess uh, if someone were, well, how did, how did you get into the union? Like, what was the criteria? Um, so I got into the union uh, through the movie uh, called Daddy's Home 2 with Mark Wahlberg and okay. Will Ferrell. Um, so I played, so I didn't have any, I didn't have any Taft Harley waivers. A Taft Harley waiver is the, the union uh, W9 receipt that they give you on set. Um, I didn't have any. And then they had called me and asked me if I wanted to play uh, a movie usher in the movie theater scene at the end of the movie where they all break out into song and dance. <laughs> and, um, and they said, yeah, we'll give you, you know, we'll give you, um, we'll give you a waiver for every day that you do that. So I actually got seven waivers on that movie, which was pretty cool. Um, and I had a great time working on it. You know, the people that I met and, and got to, you know, hang out with, you know, the, the celebrities and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, talk to them a little bit and, and really, um, you know, every time you do it, you know, you, you learn something new and, and you see different things. And, um, and so that was, that was a very good time. So yeah. you got a Taft Hartley waiver for a union movie and then that made you eligible for SAG? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You have yeah. to, yeah, you have to get three of them. And, um, sometimes sometimes they're they're not easy to get you know i i, yeah. I lucked out you know I, I i lucked out there was a there was a kid on set that had never done anything in his entire life and he he was sag eligible after after that movie and he didn't even realize what it was so <laughs> yeah yeah that's funny yeah it's it's a funny business like that it's you know i i well I wouldn't chalk it all up to luck. I mean, you got to leave yourself the opportunities. You got to put yourself out there, you know, like anything else, make your own luck. So, um, yeah, but that's, uh, I think a lot of people, they, well, I, I guess I'll say this just because you're in SAG does not necessarily mean you're going to make your living acting. Is that correct? You, you, yeah, yeah. You couldn't be more correct. Um, SAG, SAG gets you in the door to a lot of these auditions. Basically, you're you know being in SAG is like having a great resume, but once you are in the audition and you're standing in front of the casting director and you have to produce a compelling audition, that you know that's that's what sets apart the men from the boys. You right. know, you and you know maybe they'll bring in ten other people that they like from their pictures or that you're, you know, chummy with the, the casting director. But if you, um, if you can't perform, you know, you're out. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it's like SAG doesn't get you jobs. Exactly. Obviously. SAG. Yeah. SAG is the only SAG is the only union that does not find you work. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, um, well, I guess from, you know, I've heard from different actors, you know, when I used to live in New York and up here, like some wanted to join, some didn't. Some wanted to join the grip and electric union, some didn't. They would make more working on commercials. So like if you're on Law and Order as a grip, you might get 250 for the day. If you work on a commercial or a music video, you might get 600. So, you know, union was more regular. You get your benefits and all of that. But again, some people didn't like being kind of hamstrung 
as they saw it sometimes by the union. So I guess I didn't realize the same might apply to SAG. Some people might say, look, I want to leave myself open to commercial work or independence or whatever. And, you know, not joining SAG would do that, I guess. Exactly. I, I, I know a handful of people that have probably been SAG eligible for, for literally years, but because they are with, you know, they're with a, a good agency in Boston that finds them regular work. They do basically, they basically just do commercial work and print work. And I don't really ever see them on movie sets because they don't do any movie work. You know, they kind of just hold on to that non-union label so mm-hmm. they can continue to get that face time in commercials as to where they wouldn't be able to do that um, with that union label. You know, I remember a guy, I worked on um, an independent feature, which actually did pretty well. Uh, just to our listeners, I've worked on many independent movies that I never saw again. They never got finished, whatever. So I think there were two. One that I actually got to see in a theater and one that I got to see on, they showed it on PBS. Uh, really good movie. And one of the actors was really excited one day because he'd gotten a Burger King commercial. And at the time, I was sort of like, why would you be excited about that? Well, he told me later when we got to know each other a little better, like that was going to pay for his year. Like he was good because his national spot. So I was like, oh, that's why you'd be so excited about a Burger King commercial. I get it now. <laughs> so uh, there's some people I've seen that we both know. Uh, Karen, um, no, Kathy Ann Hart. Who's she? I've seen on her, her like in a pill pack commercial. So, you know, that, I, I guess what I'm getting at is there's a lot of working actors out there. Well, the vast majority, I would say, are working actors as opposed to your movie stars. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's, they get their, as you say, their commercial work or they might be background on sets and things like that. And, um, yeah, we you know mostly think about the Mark Wahlbergs and the Will Ferrells and all that, but a lot of people out there just, you know, it's their thing. It's what they do, and uh, and they're not going to be maybe movie stars, but they can make a living doing that, and they enjoy doing it. So, more power to them. Uh, How did you get into acting? Like, what what made you think in two thousand seven? Like, yeah, I want to give this a shot. Um, so I'd always been interested in it, and I didn't really know how to get into it or, um, or, you know, really what to do. And I was working at, I was working at a publishing company and the editor of the magazine, uh, husband was a producer of a small production company in the Boston area. And, um, I guess he was, filming a movie a a feature movie and needed a guy to play the older brother of um of one of the the principal roles the 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 main the main role of of the movie and um she asked me if i would be interested in grabbing lunch and and kind of hearing the plot of the script and i said yeah you know um so (laughs) so i sat you know we, we went to lunch sat down with him he brought the kid so at this time i was how old was i i was like 20 i was like 24 i think i was yeah um and the kid was the kid that was supposed to play my younger brother he was 16 and uh we all had lunch and the second the kid sat down he literally looked like he could have been my identical twin brother Hmm. um and the director of the movie just looked at me and he, he was like let me tell you what it's all about you know, you can um, tell me if you're interested, but you got the role. You don't even have to audition um, just based on on my look alone. Hmm. And um, yeah, so he kind of told me what, you know, what it was all about. And I and I loved the concept. And this was the literally the first thing I had ever done in my life. And um, it was fun. I, I, I you know, the, the company that I was working for, because it was, you know, because the editor was, you know, was this director's wife. 
I was able to take the time off of work without any consequences and everybody was behind it 100%. Um, so I didn't have to lie. I didn't have to say I was sick. She was just like, yeah, go take off, you know, the weeks that this is going to take to film and um, go have fun. Wow. So, yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool. It was a movie about, uh, it was actually filmed in Lynn and it was a movie about uh, two kids uh, that lived in kind of a broken home. You know, mother was a drug addict. Um, I was getting out of the gang life. My little brother was just getting into the gang life and I was trying to kind of steer him in the right direction. Um, and then coincidentally, you know, I ended up getting killed in the end. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a really good time. You know, I really, I, I learned a lot from it and, um, that was my first kind of introduction into this incredible world of, of expressing yourself through film. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's an interesting collection of people. I, I mean, I, I was a teacher for a long time and then I, um, decided to become a grip. I was sick of teaching and it was just such a different atmosphere, you know, like being on set with all these different people who are all very perfect. You know, I mean, they're creative, but, very hardworking and professional at the same time. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> I find that that's an interesting mix because I think some people think it's fun to make movies and that's not exactly the word I would put to it. Like it can be a <laughs> real grind, you know, like I'm sure you've done the 12, 14, 17 hour days. Like it can um, get yeah, long. Yeah. The 12 hour days is, is like the the minimum that I've seen on on the Hollywood movies. You know, with with the big A list actors, they can run anywhere from um, twelve to fifteen hours. I have done one sixteen hour day um, where I got what is called golden time, where you make anything after sixteen hours, you make a full day's pay in one hour. Um, but the majority of of the other days are, you know, they're usually 12 hours, you know, yeah. some, sometimes of, you know, some that run a, a little less dependent on, you know, weather or, uh, you know, couldn't get, you know, couldn't get whatever they needed to make the shot. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, long hours and it's always go, 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 you know, no wasting time, you know, no goofing off, you know, every second that you're not filming, you're wasting money. Um, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that have to be rented, like lightings and the cranes and, and all that good stuff. Um, so they have to, you know, get their shots and, you know, as quick as possible so they can, you know, keep their bottom line. It's amazing how, uh, film crews and actors and everything, how it all works together. Like the really good ones, everybody knows their job. I mean, as a grip, I really didn't interact professionally with any of the other departments but as long as i did my specific job to bring a c-stand in and set a flag or whatever it all worked like mm -hmm. everyone knows their job yeah. and when everybody's doing their job at the same time it's one well-oiled machine yeah yeah but i've had to tell people you know like it it is it can get very tedious like it can get there's a lot of waiting around a lot of, you know, there can be a lot of downtime where you're like, you know, you set up a shot and you're, you know, the actors are waiting for the crew to set up the, the, to set up the shot and all the lighting's done. So the crew walks away and now the actors are in doing their thing. So the crew's kind of waiting, you know, and it can be a couple hours and then you're like, okay, we're moving on. Like, all right, everybody pile in, let's go. And then the <laughs> actors are waiting. So it is, it can be a lot of waiting around, but, um, yeah, it just you're around people with all that kind of really hard working ethic, but it's also for something creative. I find it's a great mix of the two. Yeah. And um and a lot of those things like it's like you get a lot of creative types, but it's a business. And like everybody who lasts understands that. Like you cannot be late. Like I don't care what you're doing the night before, you cannot be late. You got to show up on time ready to go and you got to be able to do that for 12 14 16 hours and as you say it, it really separates the people who want it from the people who don't mm -hmm. 
So yeah. um, what would you, somebody is uh, 22 years old, you're looking to get into acting, what would, uh, what would you tell them? What, what maybe, not to be a hard edge about it, but like, what would you tell them? It's like, hey, look, you got to be aware of this reality. Um, yeah, so I would say, you know, first of all, you know, I think just my own opinion is, you know, the earlier you start, the better chance, you know, you're going to have because it does take so long to build that network and those relationships and the people that you see in movies that have these big principal roles and it's the first time you've ever seen them in a movie and you wonder where they came from. That was, you know, that's 10 or 15 years in the making of them doing student films and independent films that you've just never heard of before, you know, little web series and stuff like that. So people, somebody just getting into the business, I would say, you know, one, you know, hone your craft as, as tightly as possible. And what I mean by that, take any take any project that will have you you know a lot of student films there are a lot of student films in the boston area uh emerson college is a, a huge um entertainment related college there's boston college as well and uh these uh you know these uh, institutions have departments that you know are specifically um, designated to this type of thing, so I would get into that. You know, um, they're not paid, obviously, but it will give you the experience that you need, and you know the equipment that these you know people use. You know, it's the same equipment that you know that you see on some of these larger movie sets. You know, these big colleges do have the budget to buy the equipment, um, so this will give you what you really need for a real. And a reel is basically just a, a collection of uh, short, short movie, um, short uh, little stids from movies that you've been in um, that can show directors when you submit for something, you know, you know, what you look like on film. Um, I would also, you know, so I would do that, you know, try to get into as much as possible by, you know, using um, newenglandfilm.com. Newenglandfilm.com is a great um, website to find independent uh, films and smaller films. Um, you know, sometimes you know, you know, you can even maybe try Craigslist. Uh, there's a lot of riffraff on there, but it doesn't hurt to look. Um, you know, there are other websites. You know, like Casting Calls Boston and Facebook is a great um, Facebook is a great way to find things as well. Uh, when you join all sorts of, you know, casting and acting groups and people are always posting on there, um, you know, about their projects and, and, you know, demographics that they may need for certain scenes. Um, you know, so doing that, I would say, you know, get yourself registered with, um, get yourself registered with, you know, the casting agencies in the, um, in the Boston area. Uh, so when there are projects, which are all the time, they send out emails, you know, saying, oh, we need, uh, you know, we need 22 to, you know, 30 year old men, you know, must be six foot to six, three, must have brown hair. Uh, and if that's you, then you can submit for that. And then if they like your look, uh, they'll invite you in. Um, you know, that's best case scenario, but yeah, you know, to start out, I would just, you know, take what you can get no matter you know, no matter what the project is, just so you can build, um, just so you can build that experience and real, you know, getting a real, I think in the Boston area is not as easy as, as you may think it is because Maddie, as you just stated, you know, a couple minutes ago, a lot of the projects in Massachusetts, um, they don't get legs or you'll start something and the project will stall and it will never finish or you will finish it and it will just never finish. The, it will never finish the end of post-production and you'll never see the movie again. And it will just fall into the void of, you know, of a black hole. Yeah. Um, 
So getting material for a reel is essential. You know, you know, two or three movies that, you know, you've been in, the reel doesn't have, to, you know, any reel that's, you know, between um, two and a, a minute and a half to two minutes um, is, is typically the standard. Um, and, you know, just, uh, you know, some quick clips from, you know, from a couple of movies that you've been in that really highlight um, your abilities and what you can bring to the table. That is that nothing, nothing can substitute a good reel. Um, so, you know, getting that, getting a resume, um, getting, you know, some headshots, you know, you don't have to go out and spend um, a lot of money on headshots. Headshots aren't um, as expensive as they used to be. I remember back in um, the early 2000s, headshots, you know, used to be seven, $800. I remember, you know, there'd be time, you know, a couple times I got burned um, on headshots um, from companies that were not as ethical as, as I was hoping that they would be. Um, and I paid eight to a thousand dollars for headshots that it looked like they were taken in the dark you know it was just horrible you know now yeah now um now you can get amazing headshots for 250 bucks yeah you know literally literally amazing headshots um i'm gonna plug him he's a good buddy of mine peter malakis he's out of rhode island he's a um, fashion photographer he does the best headshots or some of the best headshots, no offense to any of the other photographers out there, but um, yeah, he does some of the best ones, you know, some of the pictures that um, are on my Facebook that he took, and um, he's he's willing to work with you. Let's just say that. Nice. You know. So, um, so you might say, like, first of all, get yourself, you got to get into projects, do whatever projects come up, whatever student films, and then number two, and this is this is what probably a lot of people don't know going in is probably in the beginning you want to say like look i need this for my reel or you want to make that clear like because as you say the project can just disappear and you never hear from these people again yes might be wise to say i I, i'd like that now or i'd like that because a lot of times people will advertise like copy of the movie you know footage for your reel and lunch and so Mm -hmm. That's your pay, really, is getting the footage. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and when you don't have, um, when you don't have anything to validate who you are, that you know that real footage is is essential. And, yeah, and you got to try to get it as quick as possible, um, yeah. because that's really what that's really well that's really what make you know again that's what makes you stand out websites yeah. you know such as uh backstage 50 uh, percent of the projects on backstage will not even let you submit for the movie unless you have a reel wow. attached to attached to your profile um so you, you gotta really uh gather that collateral as quick as possible so you can and- do you think it's worth like having like a friend film you doing a monologue or something like that? Yes, I do. Um, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, having a, you know, having a a great reel with a, you know, a couple projects in there that were professionally filmed in a big movie is amazing. But, um, if you don't have that experience and you don't have, um, if you don't have any of that, just something that can show what you look like in real time, um, show your range of emotion. Um, that can be just as impactful to a director than than having a great reel. If you have a great look and you recite a monologue that uh, that resonates with somebody, I suggest that you find a. Re- I I suggest that people find one monologue that resonates with them that they can connect to on an emotional level, memorize it, don't sway from it and keep reciting it until you can do it frontwards and backwards until it's memorized. So if you were to go into an audition and this has happened to me before, 
um, you'll go into the audition with the sides and they'll have you read the sides and they'll say, oh, um, you know, just by, by the way, would you happen to have a monologue prepared? Mm. Um, and I never, I never had, you know, I didn't realize that, that, that it was a good thing to have. Um, so kind of the one that you choose, you know, kind of take it. That's your baby from now on. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely do that. And you can put that, um, you know, you can put that up as well. You know, even something as simple as a slate shot, which, um, a slate shot is when you kind of just stand in front of the camera and say, you know, Oh, hi, my name is Scott Setterquist. You know, thank you for considering me. It's like five to 10 seconds. You know, it's, it's not the, the best. But um, if you if you have nothing else, that can substitute having nothing at all, and it will still give them an opportunity to see what you look like um, moving and talking, and what your voice sounds like, and what your facial expressions sound like, uh, so on and so forth. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Well, that's been great advice, and uh, I think anybody who wants to get into the acting game would do very well to listen to this episode. So uh, thanks a lot, Scott. That's a lot of good information, good stories. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, you know, I enjoy it. It's, it is work, but uh, I really do love the creative process. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a family, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, hey, thanks a lot. Uh, that was Scott Sutterquist talking about acting and we will be back at you with more episodes. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media and the Still Believe app, the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build engage and entertain your audience reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com i would love to hear from you and that's it the end the sweet end until our next audio encounter